you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Oh, good, mo- good morning. Good morning. Welcome. So wonderful to have you here. Good morning up on the balcony. Give me a wave. Uh, love the guys on the top shelf. Um, so great to have you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm part of the team here. I have the privilege of uh, sharing a word this morning. Um, I'm so excited to be back in church. We had the best part of four weeks off um, because we had a baby born New Year's Day. Oh, thank you. New year, new baby. Not every year, hopefully. That would be stressful. Um, but uh, yeah, his name is Jesse. He's around somewhere and uh, so excited to be back with our church family. Um, this year was officially the uh, shortest I'd ever um, done my New Year's resolutions. Uh, I quit almost immediately. As did anyone else do New Year's resolutions? Put your hands up. If you started with the intention. Wow, no one. I was going to say 80% of New Year's resolutions are quit by the end of January. So is anyone still doing the ones that they started? One of you, two of you. You're a genius. Uh, I, I had all the intentions of reorienting my life in lots of different ways. I had a diet. I downloaded my fitness pal. And I was going to do it every single day. And uh, I had a, even a workout written on notes. And then New Year's Day, Hannah goes into labor. And I'm like, what's the point? There's no way. There's no way I'm going to do this now. So I quit immediately. Um, we're, we're in a series right now on worship. It's called Wired for Worship. It's been an incredible series. And God has really been birthing among us. I don't know if you felt it as well. Just a hunger, a desire for him. In, in our worship. And uh, today, here's the question I want to ask. I, I want to ask this question. As a church, as a house, what kind of worship is God looking for? Or to put it another way, what kind of worship pleases the Lord? Or what kind of worshipers is God calling us to be? We know, don't we, as we've unpacked over the last few weeks, that worship is more than what we do here on a Sunday, more than our songs. See, a lot of Christians uh, live, uh, worship God with their lips, but not with their lives. And yet the Bible is clear, isn't it, that, that our whole life is worship for God. Every day, every moment is an opportunity to glorify God and worship Him, not just on a Sunday, but also on a Monday. Not just on the mountaintop moments, but also the valleys of life, whether seen or unseen. Moments that are big and moments that are small, public or private. Everything we do, we do it to please the Lord. It's how we parent our children, how we steward our finances, our language and our words, our work, our time, our bodies, our relationships. It is all worship for Him. I, uh, my wife and I bought a house that was a bit of a run-down, dilapidated project. We are slowly renovating it. And one of the jobs that I get um, insisted upon me um, is painting. Anyone enjoy painting? Wow, please come to my house. I struggle with painting. I really don't enjoy it. I'm not very good at it, but I have to do it. And one of the uh, areas of the job that I like the least is cleaning the brushes at the end. Cleaning the rollers is just a nightmare, isn't it? I, I can never get all the 
paint out of the rollers. So I Googled it a few weeks back after I did a particularly big project. I'm like, how can I get the paint out of my paint rollers? And do you know what they said? Online it says you should use a little bit of shampoo. Bit of shampoo, bit of conditioner, and it'll be fine. So I thought, okay, I'll give this a go. Went in after the big painting session, turned the shower on, and um, begin to clean my brushes. There's a knock at the door, and it's Hannah, and she comes in. And she takes one look at me, and she says, what on earth are you doing? And I'm bent over the bath with the shower, massaging head and shoulders conditioner into my paint rollers. In that moment, I had to say, I don't know. I think I've completely lost the plot. Um, but it's a picture of our worship. Ordinary moments, cleaning paint, given our best because we're doing it for him. That is the heart of worship. But I want to move today from the kind of bird's eye view of our whole life being worshipped down to a kind of focused view of the worship of this house, the worship of this church. God has marked us as a community to be a house of worship whose highest priority is to worship the Lord. Now, there's a tragic reality uh, in that in the Western church, on the whole, um, worship has lost its purity. A subtle lie has crept in uh, in the Western church, on the whole, that we've believed and that has shaped our worship. And the lie is this, that worship is for us. The worship exists for us. The purpose of our worship as we gather in moments like this is to entertain us. We talk about our favorite songs. We talk about our favorite worship leaders. We critique those on the stage as though they're on the X Factor. And sometimes those on the stage get on the stage because they think it's the X Factor. We say or think things like, I didn't get much out of the worship today. I didn't like that song as if worship is for us. What should be holy moments ushering in the presence of God have become about people and performance and profit. What should be our highest priority has become, as the global church, the Western church, our greatest commodity. We've sacrificed his presence for a product. But God is calling us back. He's cleaning House. He's calling us to our first love out of a place of compromise back to a posture of purity. I wonder if you felt this as we've been sat underneath this teaching over worship. I have felt it. A hunger for the Lord, just the dial going up on my desperation for Him and Him alone and His presence. An invitation to return to the one thing like nothing else will do. I can relate to David as he writes in the Psalms that as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul thirsts after you, Lord. What I long for is not the nearest, the next best Christian chart topper performed perfectly. What I long for is the presence of God. What I long for is that Jesus would be among us and he would be glorified and I would encounter him. And this is the kind of worship that pleases the Lord. Let me just give you two kind of uh, descriptions of worship that pleases the Lord. Firstly, it is worship unto the Lord. This is the worship that God is looking for. It's worship that is for Him and all about Him and unashamedly for Him. Church, we gather here 
in, in really every gathered environment, but particularly these mornings, these Sunday mornings and evenings, we gather to worship him and to love him and to honor him. Worship is about ministering to his heart and honoring and glorifying his name. It is costly. It is a sacrifice like the sinful woman who poured out all of her earnings in perfume on the feet of Jesus. It was a scandalous display of affection and longing and gratitude. That worship pleased the Lord. Our worship is a fragrance for him, unsanitized, extravagant. Worship unto the Lord casts aside our preferences and our other priorities and our motives get laid down. We're not here to gain anything. We are here for Jesus. We are here to worship him and honor him. And when we truly come with no agenda other than to see him lifted high, he comes and moves among us. Firstly, worship is unto the Lord. But secondly, worship is after his presence. We worship because we long for the presence of God to come. Our highest priority in worship is ushering in the presence of God. Now, when we talk about the presence of God, I want to highlight three expressions of his presence that are shown in Scripture. Firstly, you've got the omnipresence of God. Now, this is something that pretty much all Christians would agree on, right? That God is everywhere all the time. Psalm 139, David writes, if I go to the highest of heights, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God is with us all the time. He's everywhere. But a second expression of his presence is the um, inner presence. So for Christians, when we get born again, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us. God himself comes to live in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance, cultivating in us the fruit of the Spirit, making us more like Jesus, guiding us, leading us, empowering us for mission. And then we have the manifest presence of God. We have the omnipresence, the indwelling presence, and the manifest presence presence. The manifest presence of God is the tangible, experienced reality of God with us. It is Moses on the mountain saying, God, show me your glory. It's the Acts 2 visitation. It's the Acts 4 houses shaking. And ultimately, in its fullness, it's Revelation 21, God coming to dwell among his people All of scripture beginning in the garden, ending in the garden city is pointing to a time when God will manifestly face to face dwell among people. And we are invited in the here and the now, in the midst of our broken world, in boldness and faith to pursue, to invite and to lay a table for him to come. This is what we do in our worship. The manifest presence of God is different from the omnipresence of God, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The manifest presence is an external reality. It's an outward expression of his nearness. It's when we become awake and aware of his experienced presence. It's those moments when he is undeniably in the room, like Jesus himself has just walked in. A.W. Tozer writes this, the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. 
This experience moves us beyond a theoretical reality of his omnipresence into a transformational reality of his being present. The presence of God is a person. And when he comes, he's speaking and he's thinking and he's touching and he's filling and he's leading. And this is what we long for in the vineyard when we say, come Holy Spirit. Every gathering we have, we welcome him. We long for him. We are desperate for him to come and rest upon us. Michael Freeland Miller, the uh, leader of Upper Room, writes this. He says, this is not a universal reality always happening, but a selective one initiated by him at a specific time and place. Not always, but there is usually a level of intentionality and desire to encounter the presence of God that invites him to manifest. Or put another way, John Tyson writes, God comes where he is wanted. In our worship, our prayer, our hunger for the Lord, we lay a table for his presence. I experienced this in a beautiful, special way recently at our um, Vineyard 18 to 30s conference uh, back in November. There was this moment after worship on the Friday night where um, just the, the glory of the Lord was there. It was like Jesus himself was in the room, the glory of God, the weightiness of who he is, the beauty his presence came in such a beautiful way. All of our plans went out the window. We had a, a big after-hours program. People had been rehearsing and practicing. We were going to do, we do like bandioki, karaoke, but with a band. All plans went out the window because the presence of God was so tangible and beautiful and close. And we lingered for hours, hours. It was stunning. And once you've tasted the presence of God like that, nothing else will do. And he's looking for worshipers who will welcome him, who will lean in and seek his face and pursue him and rightly respond to his leadership. Michael Freeland Miller writes this, that God is looking for a resting place. He says, the God who dwells everywhere is looking to dwell somewhere. He's looking for a house, a community of people who will welcome him and honor him and create an environment where he is welcome to come and move. And my prayer is that this house, this church would be a place which so honors and adores and welcomes Jesus that he comes and moves in power. Amen. So this worship that we have is all for him. It is unto the Lord. It is about him and it's laying a table for him to come. So, so how do we cultivate that in our lives? Well, if you've got a Bible, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, please? I'm going back to the Christmas story, if that's okay. Um, I love Christmas. Um, but I'm crass. I, I want to zone in on one of my heroes in the New Testament. She's a, she's a hidden character. She's only in the Bible for three verses. And yet I felt the Lord, as I was preparing this, lead me to her as an example of what kind of worshippers God is calling us to be. Luke 2, we're going to start in verse 22, and I'll set the scene a little bit. It's what it says. Uh, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, which is Mary and Joseph, brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So this is a significant moment in the life of Jesus as Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to present him before the Lord. This is history. This is steeped in generational and cultural significance. This is a holy moment. 
And in this temple moment, there are two people who kind of this baby Jesus encounters. Firstly, we read of a man called Simeon. Now, Simeon is an old man who has been um, promised by the Holy Spirit that one day he will encounter the promised one, the Messiah. He spends his life waiting in this promise, waiting and longing and, and hungering and thirsting, waiting for the promised one to come. And this particular day, the text says this, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the Lord required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon's given a promise that one day he will see the Messiah. And in this moment, I love this verse 27, it says he is moved by the Spirit. He responds in this moment to the leadership of the Holy Spirit who says something like Simeon today is the day go. He responds, he's moved. I love that even in his old age, he's tender to the voice of God. He's sensitive to the voice of God and he's obedient to the voice of God. And he responds and he is led by the Spirit into an encounter with Jesus. It's beautiful. I love Simeon. But then we meet a lady called Anna. Let's read about Anna, verse 36. And there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a bunch of attributes that marked Anna's life, which I think will help us serve as a template for the sort of worshippers that God is looking for in us. Our first observation, if you're making notes, is this. Number one, Anna communes with God. She communes with God. She knows God. Luke describes Anna as a prophet or a prophetess, depending on which translation you've got, meaning this, essentially, she hears from the Lord. She's connected to God. She has a relationship with him. She has an established history with God in the secret place. The first thing Luke wants us to know about Anna is that she is someone in whom the Lord confides. Someone the Lord trusts. Someone who has stewarded, his, stewarded God's voice over maybe a lifetime. And God is looking for worshippers who genuinely love him. Who know him who more importantly, he knows. We don't want to be a people, do we, who just do lots of stuff for God, but not walk in intimacy with God. Remember, reminded of that verse, Jesus said there'll be people that come to him at the end and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do all this great stuff for you? Did I cast out demons and do all this stuff? I've done loads of great stuff for you. And Jesus would say, I never knew you. We've got to know God, but we've got to also be known by God. And the knowing of God and the being known by God is a symbol, a picture of intimacy with him. He's looking for people who abide deeply in him, who have a secret life with God, who listen to him, not just talk at him, who commune with him. God is looking for worshippers who are willing to lay down their agenda to submit to his leadership. The heart of a prophet is always bent towards God. What are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you moving? It's no wonder to me that Anna is in this story, if that is her heart. 
And let me ask you this question. No judgment at all, but how is your life with the Lord? How's your life with God? How's your connection to the Father? I wonder if there's some people here this morning who just feel dry and burnt out and weary. And in reality, it's because you've been trying to do the Jesus stuff without connection to Jesus. You've just been trying. I've been there for quite a long time, struggling. You feel like you're on the, the rat race. You're running. You try. There's nothing will quite satisfy. And as an invitation this morning to become the kind of worshiper who is connected to God, who abides in the vine, who cultivates intimacy every day, drawing near to him, allowing him to draw near to you. And it's not easy in our busy world with 24-7 news and small attention spans. I speak for myself and phones demanding our attention all the time. It's countercultural to say no to that in order to say yes to Jesus. So firstly, she's, she communes with God. She's connected to God. Second observation about Anna is this, that she is consumed with a hunger for the Lord. The Bible says that she did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. I feel bad for whoever was the key holder at the temple, for whoever was like, right, it's time to lock up. And Anna's just not leaving. She's just praying and worshipping and fasting night and day, day and night. She never leaves the temple, but she worships morning, noon and night. She is so desperate for more of God. She's so desperate for a move of God. She's so desperate. This tells us that she died a long time ago to self, to preference, to comfort. She's not there thinking, do I go to prayer meeting or do I watch the traitors? I'm watching The Traitors. It's unbelievable. I've not finished it. Please don't spoil it. Anna is so hungry and so desperate for the Lord. She denies herself sleep. She fasts. She denies herself food. She has anchored. She has architected her entire life around worshiping the Lord. This is the kind of worshipers that God is looking for. We've bought into the consumerist worldview. I speak for myself that says it's okay. You can have Jesus plus everything. You can do what you want. Jesus can kind of sit in the, next to you in the car of your life. And you can ask him questions, get a bit of direction if you want. But like Anna, she's just like, I don't want anything in my life that doesn't please the Lord. I'm going wholeheartedly after him in surrender. I'm denying myself in order to pursue him. Every waking moment of Anna is tethered to a pursuit of his presence. This is what the Lord is looking for. People who hunger and thirst. People who say, God, better is a moment in your presence than a thousand years elsewhere. Better is a glimpse of your glory, God, than lifetimes without it. And because of that reality, I'm going to lay everything down in my pursuit of you. To seek the Lord in the morning and the evening, early and late. When I'm tired, when I'm weak, I just want Jesus. She was in there night and day day and night. Observation number three, she worships despite loss. I want us to see how she's experienced pain and loss. Anna's husband died after just seven years of marriage until the age of 84. And so much of Anna's life may well have been spent in disappointment. She got married young. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but she got married young and uh, had seven years married. She could have been um, just without a husband, maybe 60 years, maybe more. She's, she's 
had years maybe living in grief and disappointment. She's been a widow. But why does Luke tell us that? I think it's to highlight the reality that when her husband died, she wed herself to him. She worshipped through pain. She worshipped through suffering, through loss. She didn't run from God. She ran to God. And I think this is the kind of worship that God is looking for that, um, that, that would just say, God, I don't understand it all. I don't see the full picture. I don't see the puzzle box lid. I don't know what you're doing. I can't even feel your presence, but I just know that you're good, and I'm, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. The kind of worship that Abraham and Isaac did on the mountain, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand where you are, but I'm just going to cling on. I'm going to bring you my tears. I'm going to bring you my heartache. I bring it all before you. I'm going to worship in spirit and truth. Part of worshipping in truth is, yes, to worship the God that is actually there. We want to worship the God that is revealed in Scripture. But part of worshipping in truth is actually coming to Him in truth with nothing hidden and giving Him our entire lives. She worshipped in a valley and wed herself to the Lord. Fourthly, and this is my final point, that her whole life was an offering. Her whole life, for years and years, for days and nights, unceasing prayer, worship, devotion. And for people who follow God like that, he does the extraordinary. And on this day in this temple, Anna is given a gift. She's given a glimpse of Jesus, the one that she has hungered for all this time. As I was reading this a few weeks back in my devotional um, I noticed something about the difference between Simeon and Anna. I've always thought they were kind of the same, but I think there's a big difference. Firstly, Simeon is given a promise. He's waiting for God to tell him. He knows what he's waiting for. Anna isn't given a promise. She's not waiting for anything. She's just there for the Lord. She's just relentless. I wonder what would have happened if she had chosen not to go to temple that day. She would have missed out. But she was so deeply committed. God sees her devotion, her hunger, his, her commitment to his presence, to his house. And of all the people chosen to encounter Jesus and prophesy over him and do, be documented in the Gospel of Luke, God chooses Anna. She was just there. She was unwilling to miss out on what God might be doing. She had no promise of meeting the Messiah, but he was enough. His presence was her pursuit. He was all she wanted. I just imagine God looking down from heaven and seeing this thing and seeing Anna just, just showing up morning, noon, and night, hearts crying out to the Lord and just God saying, let's, let's give her a gift. Let's let her see Jesus, the one that she loves. God is searching church for worshipers. Worshippers who hunger for the Lord, day and night in his house, live lives on their knees, live unto the Lord. And this is not a comfortable call, it's not an easy call, but it's an invitation for every single one of us. If we want a kind of church, community, lives who host the presence of Jesus, who offer worship, fragrance, pleasing to the Lord, there's an invitation and a call to go deeper, to seek the Lord. And I believe as we do that, he will come and in, in greater measure, he will increase among us. 
it blows my mind that the God that created the universe, the God that hung the stars in the sky is the God of rooms like this, who loves it when his people gather to worship and who desires to come and rest upon us and dwell among us. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to wait in his presence. Could I invite you to stand? Could I invite Ben and Holly to come? This is the kind of worshippers that he's calling us to be. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.